ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. This is a very disappointing time for me, but yeah, I won't be able to compete at the 2024 Australian Open. That is Nick Kyrgios announcing on OnlyFans that he's out of the Australian Open. I wonder what saying that out loud is going to do to my social media algorithms. The answer to that might be obvious, but what is decidedly murky is where to from here for a generational talent. Having played a solitary match in 2023 and already out of the first slam of next year, are we at the end of the line for the 28-year-old? I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily. Courtney Walsh is a tennis writer with Fox Sports. He's won countless awards, including the ATP Gong for Media Excellence, which in the world of tennis, understandably, a big, big deal, Walshy. When Nick Kyrgios pulled out of the 2023 Oz Open due to a knee injury, the hope was you know, maybe be back for Wimbledon. It wasn't actually his knee, but his wrist that got him into trouble there. It's still bothering him. Can you tell us what the issue is? You know, it's only about a week or so, you know, a couple of weeks ago that he actually uh, had the wrist removed from a cast, which he'd had for five or so weeks on that wrist. We know that tennis players, you know, some of the champions of the sport have had problems with wrist injuries for years, uh, whether it's the change in a ball, the, the repeated movement, the, the heavy topspin and uh, I suppose the contortions needed with the wrist in terms of where you brush it from. But it can be a problem for players. With Nick, though, it came as a bit of a surprise. We knew he was having big issues with his knee. I was at Wimbledon in the, in the lead into that, to what we thought would be his return, watching him on the courts, the practice courts out at Harangi Park, and it was more than knee that I was worried about. He was not moving very well. He'd played a tournament in Germany a couple of weeks beforehand where he moved like an ocean liner, and I'm thinking, oh, he's still got a long way to go here. He's nowhere near peak fitness. I had that knee surgery and came back a little bit too soon and set me back a little bit, then obviously had some... Wrist issues, heartbreaking. He sprung the surprise on the eve of Wimbledon that it was actually the wrist that was going to be the issue that uh, forced him out of the tournament. At the time, he thought, is that sort of a camouflage? Sometimes the camp keeps things fairly close to their uh, chest, but really, unfortunately for him, here we are six months down the track, and it's still at least six months, I think, before we'll see him back. Feels like a long time out. We've seen Grand Slam winners like Dominic Team, Juan Martin Del Potro, Emma Raducanu all have extended periods on the sidelines and in some cases retire. So how does a player recover from something like this? Well, look, realistically, rest or surgery are the only options. It's because of the nature of the sport where you are using those wrists every single shot. And when you think about the way uh, the movement you have to put on your wrist in terms of you know, kicking the ball with your serve, slicing the ball when you're serving, when you're brushing up over it uh, with your topspin forehands and backhands, the, the punch, the sort of like the strength you need in it for your volleys, your, your bunted returns. It's so pivotal to every single shot, clearly. So unless it's feeling really good then it's a problem for a tennis player. Rest, it seems, is the only way. But the problem is trying to make it back. We, we've seen Juan Martin Del Potro, who had, you know, he was a, a shooting star of the circuit in 2009 when the US Open. Juan, Juan Martin Del Potro, the 2009 US Open champion, one of the big upsets in US Open history. He thought he was probably going to be every bit as dangerous to the to the big four, Federer, Djokovic, Nadal, Andy Murray. You know, he had different knee problems, but the wrists were really issues for him. And 
we never, ever saw the best of him again. Dominic Team wins the US Open uh, just a couple of years ago during the uh, pandemic. He had to miss an extended time on the sidelines. He's working really hard, but just cannot get the same level of consistency that he did before that, where he was just a genuine top-line player, a, you know, a regular Grand Slam semi-finalist, finalist. Emma Raducanu won the US Open a couple of years ago. We've barely seen her since, and she's had wrist operations. You know, it's, it's a real concern when a player misses an extended time with a wrist problem because you know that it's serious and that's where we are with Nick. It's it's a long time on the sidelines for him and there's no guarantee at all that you'll ever get back to where you were. The physical toll is one thing as you've sort of outlined but the psychological hill that he will need to climb. This is not a person who's ever indicated you know he wants a long career. Do you think the hunger's there at 28 years of age? Well initially when he was sort of uh, that shooting star at Wimbledon knocking off Nadal. A stunning upset here on centre court. Then, you know, having some ins and outs with the sport would be uh, one way to put it. He said, I won't be playing beyond 27. Now, we saw him have that fabulous season at 27 where he made that final at Wimbledon. He really tested Novak in that final. It's curious. He wins Washington, D.C., makes a quarterfinal of the US Open. And, you know, at that stage, you're saying, look, maybe a couple more years. 28, 29, 30, but no way. There's no way I'm ever going to play as long as the other guys. Not having played, it's interesting to see him now back around the circuit a little bit, doing some commentating. He'll be commentating in Melbourne during the Australian Open. He was at the Tour Finals. He said there that, you know, there was parts of him that were left unfulfilled. There was some hunger. So perhaps absence will make the heart grow fonder in his sort of case. But the problem is being fit enough to do that and, and being able to overcome these sort of setbacks that he's now consistently having in his late 20s. That's the concern, I suppose, that we might have already seen the best of him. Do you think it's a real possibility that Nick Kyrgios isn't back on a court playing competitive tennis? Look, I think it's a prospect. I really think that what he's doing now, though, if it is you know, so serious in terms of the wrist and, and he's mindful of having learnt from the experience of trying to rush back last year with the knee problem when it wasn't quite right. He was trying to get back for the grass court surface, perhaps thinking that his natural excellence on the surface and the brilliance of his serve would take him a while. I think at least he's given himself a chance here. I just want to really get back to playing at the top of my game and doing it right, and I need a little bit more time. You know, I was so close to winning a Grand Slam. I want to make sure that my body's going to have the time it needs to come back. But no, it's certainly a prospect. You, you can't not say it's a prospect when he's not actually stepped foot on the court for, you know, basically 18 months aside from that one match in, uh, in Germany uh, in the lead up to Wimbledon. It has to be a prospect. And it begs the question, how big a blow is this for the tournament, for the summer of tennis? I'm thinking about broadcasters. I'm thinking about ticket sales and the general ability of Kyrgios to sort of win over the cultural and sporting zeitgeist at any given moment. Look, it's, it's an interesting one. I remember last year on the, uh, on the day that it was announced he wouldn't be playing the Australian Open, there was some real setbacks. Clearly, he draws a lot of eyeballs now. He's a polarising figure. Not everyone likes him. But by the way, there's a lot of people that do love watching him play clearly and you know, seeing what he and Kokonakis did the year prior in the Australian Open doubles, those outside courts, the atmosphere was electric. Oh my goodness. Rackets in the air. And they danced their way to the Australian Open title. Uh, the final Rod Laver Arena was absolutely rocking. But is it, the, is it a massive setback? Look, I'm of the school of thought that similarly to every single event, if a player gets injured, someone else comes in. Now, they may not have the charisma or the eye-watching ability of Nick Kyrgios, but we're still going to have a champion at the end of the tournament in both the men's and the women's. And, you know, we're still going to have Australians 
hopefully performing well. So a setback, yes. But look, I don't think it'll have a massive impact on in terms of uh, attendance and ratings. Well, I guess we wait and see. You mentioned the opportunity for other Australians to potentially put their name up in lights with Nick out of the tournament. Who are the storylines, do you think, that fans are going to be engaging with? Look, clearly, uh, in terms of potential champions, it's we're not in the case where we've got Nash Barty uh, waiting around the corner to, uh, to come back and play magnificent tennis. But we have got some players who are consistently performing well. Look, Alex Stimonor, I think, is still taking step forwards in his career. He had an outstanding season, peaked at number 11. He's now number 12. He did beat a string of top 10 players, so it shows that he's capable of beating the best. He, you know, he knocked off Nadal to start the season. And the demon delivers for Australia. Daniil Medvedev, the US Open champion. In the latter stages of the season, Yannick Sinner got the better of him a couple of times. Novak gave him a lesson in Melbourne a year ago. But I think he's more than capable of pushing into the second week. And, and let's hope that if the draw goes his way, you know, there's every chance that he's a semi-finalist or a quarter-finalist. Rinki Chigata was really good in New York uh, in September. He's had a fabulous year, broken into the top 100 for the first time, won the Australian Open doubles title. He plays with real passion. He's got a really rock-solid game. And it's great to see a young, uh, young Australian emerging. Tanasa Kokonakis is always a favourite. I'm just waiting for him to sort of make a run at major level. I, I like that he's been around the Davis Cup team, the commitment he's putting in there. He's been injured as well. He, he's got a little knee problem. Let's hope he bounces back. And from the women, we're probably looking at Alia Tomlanovic, who has missed, similar to Nick, an amazing amount of tennis in the last year after that outstanding 2022 where she made quarterfinals at the US Open in Wimbledon. But really encouraging to see her winning a tournament in Florianapolis late last month. It's been a long time on the sidelines for her, but I think that shows that she's closer to peak fitness now, and she's certainly got the game to make a run in the second week. Always good to see Storm Hunter doing well in the doubles, and let's hope she can translate that to the singles. And just a couple of younger ones to keep an eye on. I think uh, Taylor Preston's been very good, and Olivia Gadecki, I really like the way she plays. She's got some proper firepower, and once she harnesses it, you know, she can go a decent way in tennis, I think. Still plenty to look forward to in this summer of tennis. Courtney Walsh, thanks so much for your time. Absolute pleasure, Pat. Headlines. Drama in the Big Bash League with the game between Perth and the Melbourne Renegades abandoned after just under seven overs due to the pitch being deemed unplayable. Essentially, the covers failed to keep some overnight rain off the deck. Here's Renegades player Nick Maddinson on his team's decision to have a bowl. We get absolutely drenched, so we just want to have a look what's going to happen and uh, never know. Kind of sums things up. What happened was the ball behaved erratically, so much so they had to abandon the fixture. There are multiple reports out of Japan that Eddie Jones has been selected to take over as the nation's head rugby coach. That, despite multiple denials from the former Wallabies boss that he was engaged in a recruitment process during his time with the Australian national team. It's like a kind of sporting gaslighting. Under an agreement announced in July, Japan and the Wallabies are actually meant to play each other in 2024, which might draw some interest. Staying on rugby and our women's sevens team remains on fire. They've claimed back-to-back World Series wins after beating France 29-26 in the final in Cape Town. Our men's side also made the final, but they lost comprehensively to Argentina. Football and Ange Postacoglu has scored a badly needed win with Tottenham as they trounced Newcastle 4-1. That ends a five-game winless streak and keeps them fifth above Manchester United and just below City in the Women's Super League. Sam Kerr's Chelsea was beaten 4-1 by an Arsenal side featuring Tilly's teammates Kara Cooney-Cross, Steph Catley and Kate Ford. 
I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily, produced by Poppy Penny. Thanks to Wimbledon, the US Open, Fox Sports, Channel 9, Stan Sport, Tennis TV, and Nick Kyrgios's OnlyFans account. Yep, for the extra audio used in this episode. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.